A reading from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, which just as a footnote probably should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, just so you know. That would actually be better. So next time you read the book of Acts, read as the Holy Spirit is the primary character, and I think it'll make more sense to you. That's really what's happening there. The book is written to show the church that, we, that what Jesus said, that we would do awesome things because of him, was true. I'm kind of getting into my sermon before the text. Now I'm going to back up. that all right with y'all? Reading from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams, shall dream dreams. Even upon my servants, my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I've always read that text and I've always heard Peter say, we ain't drunk, it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. And I wonder what kind of party did they have planned at 3 p.m., right? What kind of party did God show up and interrupt? And there's a little bit of truth in that. There was a party of fear going on. 
a party of uncertainty. Jesus has left. What are we going to do now? They were left a little bit like that sheep without a shepherd we heard about a few weeks ago. Remember when Jesus looked out upon the children of Israel who were gathered before them and it said he was struck in his gut because they looked like sheep who had gone astray. They looked like people who had no direction. And so it seems that God came and broke up a party of uncertainty and gave a gift that brought about the power of absolute trust in God. I think that's pretty cool. Now Peter and them might not have been planning on getting drunk in the afternoon, so don't be mad at me if you disagree. It's okay. Maybe Peter was just trying to be funny. But even still, it shows us that there was a supposition about what was happening that there was something going on that was not normal about them. And the witnesses who saw them had that deep sense that this group of people had been profoundly changed. Do you see that? Something has happened that they could only explain with intoxication. I don't know if, if they were giddy, if they were just so happy. Maybe it's just purely the gift of tongues that astounded them. But I think... Probably more than just the gift of tongues, it was also what they were hearing. A bearing of witness about the goodness and love of God by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's where Peter takes the event when he calls the words of the prophet Joel to mind and says, Dear ones, listen. The time is now. Call upon the name of the Lord. And he goes on to preach a pretty good sermon that got 3,000 people saved. All because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God sent the Holy Spirit into the church. Now here are some things that the church has understood about the Holy Spirit. We've understood the Holy Spirit to be the third person of the triune being that we refer to as the God of Israel. We came to that because we heard Jesus pray in a garden, you and I are one. And tell his disciples, the Father and I are one. And speak about the Spirit as if he would send his Spirit. What? How? What? What are we doing here? And the church decided that God was three persons in one being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that the three reigned together. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to us by the Father and the Son to get this. To live in you. Just like the Holy Spirit descended on those first disciples. Now I wonder, did you notice that these people were all struck by the change in them? Oh dear one, if you'd let go of being you and open yourself up to being who the Holy Spirit would have you be, people might walk around wondering what in the world happened to you too. Pretty easy to hang on to ourselves though. Martin Luther talking about baptism said that the, the old Adam, the old man in us is put below the water and, and is intended to drown to death. He said, but that old Adam is a good swimmer and tries to fight. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us to drown the corruption in us, to drown it in God's holiness and God's love by dwelling in us so that we're transformed from the inside out and sent out to be someone who can bear witness to the power of Almighty God. 
Jesus' promise to the disciples that His departure would allow this to happen. And so it was better for the Son of God who came in the flesh to dwell with us to leave so that the Spirit could come. Do you hear that, church? Your Lord said, it's better that I go so that the Spirit can come. Here in today's text, we hear the fulfillment of all of Jesus' promises about that Spirit. The one who would be our advocate. An advocate is the one who goes to court and stands up for you and says, she ain't as bad as y'all think she is. Your advocate is the one who represents you not only before God, but before all the things that cause you fear. Your advocate is the one who stands between you and your worst thoughts of your worst sins. Your advocate is the one who comes to heal your heart and speak words to you of God's love to you in the midst of your deepest depressions and your thoughts that no one cares about me at all. It's the Holy Spirit that whispers hope into your ears when you're at the highest level of despair. He comes to be a comforter. One who puts His arms around us and holds us and reminds us that there is something greater coming. The Holy Spirit comes to be the warming, enlightening, and cleansing presence of God Almighty. The Holy Spirit showed up at Jesus' baptism. Y'all remember what He looked like? Anybody? And people from not here are watching. Y'all, somebody say something. A dove, right? <laughs> A dove. Then the Holy Spirit is talked about as being water. The Holy Spirit is talked about as being a cloud on a mountain. A voice that speaks from a cloud. And here all of a sudden we hear about the Holy Spirit as a tongue of fire. A mighty rushing wind. You ever seen a mighty rushing wind? I remember one time when I was a kid, a tornado, tornado came close to our house. And the way we knew it came close to our house is because our storage building was in the Sky City parking lot. We heard the wind, but we couldn't see the wind, but we could see the storage building 200 yards from where it was supposed to be. A mighty rushing wind came that moves things and changes things, and then tongues of fire. Wind makes sense. We remember Jesus saying that, that God moves like the wind, and we don't see God, but we see the effects of God in the world. We see the trees shaking in the breeze, as it were. But why this fire thing? Kind of get us into that a little bit. I want to share some things with you that the New Testament says the Holy Spirit will do. You ready? Everybody listen close now. This is important. Luke 12, 12 teaches that the Holy Spirit will teach us what to say when we have an opportunity to, wear, to witness to Jesus in front of an enemy. Do you hear that? When you're drugged before the courts and those who will persecute you, he will give you words to say. That's good news. Everybody's worried right now. All us Christians in America don't get drugged before a court. If you do, praise God for it and prepare to open your mouth because you have a chance to speak to someone about the goodness of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will prepare you for that. You don't need to be afraid of persecution. God Almighty is with you. 
John 8, 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses when we pray, interceding for us when we don't know what to say. Have you ever had a moment where you felt a deep need to pray and you didn't have a clue what to ask for? Pray anyway. Because chances are the words and the sounds and the muffled utterances that you give will be the words that the Spirit of God has given you for you to comfort and to change your heart. John 16, 8 through 11 teaches that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and convicts the world of sin and calls the world to righteousness through Christ and holds out judgment as good news because it's through judgment that we have the opportunity to repent and come to Christ and be made new. John 14, we're told again, He will advocate for us, comfort us. The Holy Spirit will be with us and get this, He will live in us. Do you know, church, that if you're baptized and have faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you? Do you think about that as a daily reality that everywhere you go, God goes? And to every circumstance of your life, whether it's good, bad, joyful, or scary, the Holy Spirit is there already and is in you when you show up. I wonder if that would change how we walk into a room. Maybe if we thought about that once in a while where we're going into a place where there's crisis, we might stop at the door and say, God, I know that you are with me and in me. Use me as your instrument. Help me bring peace here today. John 16, 13 says this. Get this. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Listen, if you're hanging out out there reading a Deepak Chopra book trying to find your calling and your purpose in life, you're looking in the wrong mud puddle. It's the Holy Spirit's job to lead you to the places that God will use you and make you effective for God's purposes. Romans 5.5 The Holy Spirit is given to us and God pours God's very love into us through the Spirit. Now that aggravating coworker you got, that uncle that you can't stand, that you don't want to see show up at whatever holiday you eat dinner at next year when we can all do that again. And you wonder how in the world can I love this person? Maybe you can't. But I have good news for you. You have the love of God in you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Maybe let God love them through you. You want some more good news? There's more in here. Romans 8. The Holy Spirit dwells in believers. Romans 8.16 The Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God. Isn't that awesome? You! Little old speck of dust on a planet in the middle of five billion planets. You! Are a child of God. And every day the Holy Spirit intends to reinforce that truth in your heart. You don't need anybody else's affirmation to feel good about yourself. 
Almighty God has chosen to live in you. Romans 15 says the Holy Spirit enables us to live in hope. Romans, Revelation 22, the Holy Spirit invites us into salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can say Jesus is Lord. So if you can say Jesus is Lord and you mean it, that means you have the Holy Spirit. Need a little litmus test to wonder if what this preacher is saying is true? Stand in front of your mirror, look into your own eyes and say Jesus is Lord. I'm not suggesting it, I'm asking you to do it. Stand in front of a mirror, look into your own eyes, say the words, Jesus is Lord. And if they feel real to you, then you know that the Spirit of Almighty God is living in you. Not only that, Paul says, that same Spirit who allows you to say that Jesus is your Lord and King also gives you the gifts that the church needs for you to have so that we can lead other people to say that Jesus is Lord. We don't need a church growth book. We need the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? Go home today. Stand in front of your mirror. Look into your own eyes. Say Jesus is Lord. And then know this. The same Holy Spirit intends to work some fruit in you. Not fruit plural, but one fruit. The fruit of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Far as I can tell, our old earth needs a little bit of those things. You walking around this earth with a God in you who wants to produce out of you love that is beyond knowing. Joy that is beyond knowing. Hope that is beyond knowing. Peace and patience that will confuse people who don't understand how in the world could you still care about me. Peace and patience. Kindness for people that no one else will be kind to. Generosity when it doesn't make sense. Faithfulness is in such short supply today. Our politicians bend to whoever writes them a check. But you, church, are called to teach the world what it looks like to be faithful when things are hard and when we don't get our way. I hope we get persecuted so that we can stand up and show the world the power of God and be faithful in the midst of whatever threat they might make. If they say we're going to take your tax-exempt status away, I say we take the form to them ourselves. We're not called to be faithful to anything. But what the Spirit shows us, and that is the death and resurrection and good news of Jesus Christ. And it is to Him that the Spirit will make us faithful. Oh, what would happen to the world if the church remembered this forgotten God? I wonder if we'd be lobbing rockets and missiles at each other and blowing up apartment buildings. I wonder if we'd be killing four people between Missouri and South Carolina. I wonder, I wonder, can our world be different if the church will remember who it is that lives in her? I 
have even better news for you. The book of Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit is given to you to seal you the way that a wax stamp seals an envelope so that it can't be opened. To mark you for the day of salvation and redemption. And dear one, that means you have nothing and no one to fear. Peter says the Holy Spirit makes us holy. That means makes us like God. Titus 3.5 says that it's part of God's work to save us, that the Holy Spirit renews us in God's image and transforms us into the likeness of Jesus, which was the very presence of love. And then maybe the best thing yet, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this gift isn't for you, it's for the people around you. When I thought about why fire, and I went through the New Testament in a hurry looking for places to see what does it say about the Holy Spirit. And I read these things, and I thought, now I understand why something as strong as fire was used to symbolize the presence of this Spirit. This manifestation of God that warms us, that transforms us from the inside, that renews us. This Holy Spirit who enlightens us by reminding us of all the things that Jesus said, remembering His promises, including that we will do greater things than He did. This Holy Spirit who cleanses us, who takes away our sin and casts them into the sea, who heals our broken hearts, who transforms our hearts so that they will serve God instead of serving our own desires. And now I understand why fire. Now it makes perfect sense. Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. It doesn't mean that He's coming to burn up all the bad stuff and the wicked people. It means that God refines us and purifies us and makes us whole. You have all of these gifts and promises. You. They're for you. That's good news. This day of Pentecost, God poured out God's own Spirit into us. May God do so again, dear ones. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.